Lord, we are waiting here for you, God, with our hands lifted up, God. We are here with our hearts, God, looking to you, and we are humbled and bowed down before you because we, we need you, God. Lord, we want you, Jesus. And as we come to this midweek service, so will you live it, Lord. So will you live it, Lord. So will you live it, Lord. So will you live here tonight. Will your presence, God, be strong. And may we find you in our passage tonight. So anoint this time with your spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. There's this old legend that was passed down which tells of when Jesus returned to heaven following his death and resurrection. The angels gathered to to meet him and they were just amazed at all that had happened when he died and rose again from the dead and Jesus had ascended there into heaven. So they gazed at his wounds and his hands and feet. They were taken back on how much Jesus sacrificed out of that deep love and grace that, that God has for all of us, for all human beings. Finally, well, the angel Gabriel spoke up. And, well, he said, Master, you suffered terribly down there. Do they know? Do they appreciate the extent of your sacrifice? Well, Jesus said, no, not yet. Right now, only a handful of people know. Well, Gabriel asked, then then what's the plan? What is the plan? How will everyone else know what you did for them? Well, Jesus replied to that saying, well, you know what? I've asked Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples to spread the news. They will tell others who will tell others, and then they'll tell others until the message of salvation spreads into the ends of the earth. Well, then Gabriel, he's thinking, knowing how human nature is like, he asked Jesus, okay, okay, but, but, but what if? What, what if, well, you know what, Jesus Is there a plan B here? Is there a plan B? Well, Jesus replies and says, I have no plan B. There is no other strategy. I'm counting on them. Of course, this is some old legend story that was passed down. But it tends to tell us, right? It it, it seems to tell us, I mean... When you think about the disciples, especially at this point here, you know, Jesus had died, rose again from the dead before his ascension. And as we get into the passage here tonight, at this point, you kind of wonder, what is God's plan? How can this ragtag group of guys take on a mission to spread the gospel to the whole world? How is that going to work out? I mean, it seems impossible if you, if you think about it. If you're at this point, how are these 11 guys? Remember, Judas is out of the picture. Now there's 11 right at this moment. How, how, how are these 11 guys? Many of, of them are uneducated fishermen. They're, we've seen in the Gospels, in our studies there, that they're impatient. They're, they're, they're like slow to believe, right? I mean, they didn't believe Jesus rose again from the dead. And we saw a few weeks back that, well, they're starting to believe. They're slow to obedience. Remember how Jesus called the disciples, Oh, you of little faith. Remember how Jesus asked the disciples to pray, right? 
in the garden of Gethsemane on the last night of his life. He says, you guys go pray for me. What did they do? They fell asleep. And when he was arrested, what happened? They ran away, right, and escaped for their own lives. After Jesus rose again, many of the disciples did not go up to Galilee like Jesus told them. They left the group, went back, remember, to their old jobs. They went back fishing, right? So you could see what this angel Gabriel in this story, you know, so let, someone wrote this little story. You can see why Gabriel's kind of questioning, like, these are the guys? These are the guys that is tasked, right, that, that, that to bring the mission, the gospel to all the world, out into the whole world? I mean, with this track record, you kind of wonder, are you sure, Jesus? I mean, uh, maybe with the angels, we kind of think, yeah, is there a plan B, you know, here? It seems impossible, but not for God. God has a plan. Because he has a plan, the mission will be accomplished. And you know how that's going to be done? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, as we start a new study in the book of Acts tonight, we're going to see that God's work is going to continue on. It's going to go on into the next chapter. And that's the title of our message tonight, the next chapter. Now, originally, I was planning on covering Acts chapter 1 from verse 1 through 11. And, well, uh, we're going to do a part one because <laughs> I was trying to squish it all in. I thought, nah. I'm not going to stress out here. So we're going to just take our time here in this first part. So in this, the next chapter of what's going to happen, of God's work and plan and bringing his message out to the world, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8 tonight, Acts chapter 1. Now, our outline is this. Number one, the part two of the work. Number two, the promise and the power. And number three, the parting view of Jesus. And we'll see that next time. But for tonight, we will uh, go over to part two of the work, number one, and number two, the promise and the power. And I might back up a little bit next week in this second heading. But for now, we're going to look at number one, the part two of the work. Number one in our outline, the part two of the work. Here we're going to cover verses one through three here in Acts chapter one. So, Take a look with me here now. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It reads here, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. All right, we'll stop right there. This is our section for the first, first heading in our outline. And we begin with the author, Luke, mentioning here in verse 1, in the first book. Now, it's understood and accepted by all that Luke wrote this book. Later on, he kind of goes to first person, talks about we and that too. And even in this in, in beginning part, in this introduction, naming Theophilus, uh, it's like 
the Gospel of Luke, which we had just finished, right, a couple weeks ago. So it's going to flow with what we studied, the same writing style and the same way of how we, when we studied the book of Luke, um, this past, I forgot how many messages, 100, mess, 100 studies that we did through that gospel. So now we're going on. And when Luke writes here, the author, in the first book, that's what he's referring to, the gospel of Luke. In the first writing that I did about Jesus' life, he's referring to the book of Luke, which was, we know, the account of Jesus' life his death, his ministry on the earth, his resurrection, all of that was covered in that first book, in the book of Luke. Now, to understand something here I'll mention again, is that Luke, you remember, is a physician. We know that from Colossians 4.4. And by the way, Luke is the only Gentile New Testament writer. So just a little note on that. So here's Luke referring to that first book, the Gospel of Luke, the book of Luke in our Bibles, and he writes to Theophilus. He says, O Theophilus. Now, Luke, uh, 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 and it, he, he, he just mentions his name, and it's the same thing that he mentioned in the book of Luke at the beginning. Um, and Theophilus isn't someone we really know about. We don't know too much about him. All we know is Theophilus is a Gentile name. The Greek means friend of God or lover of God. Now, some believe that he's some government official, some high up official, because in the book of Luke, he refers to Theophilus as the most excellent Theophilus. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 3, excellent Theophilus. And so perhaps he's some high official to give that kind of name to, uh, to address him in that way. And perhaps some commentators believe that Theophilus got saved. Um, and perhaps Luke was his physician. Uh, back then in Roman times, uh, doctors, uh, people like that, professional people, were actually sl slaves of the rich or officials and all. And it could be that maybe... Uh, in this Roman world, when Theophilus got saved and Luke was saved first, maybe witnessed to him that maybe he freed Luke. And so Luke is writing the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, in a way to, to, to tell the story to his old master about Jesus and what happens after that. Now others say that, well, Theophilus, being meaning in a Greek friend of God or, or lover of God, that perhaps it, it was just a cover name to protect the official, to protect this person uh, from certain persecution and all. And perhaps, really, it is written for all of us who love God. So, so it could be in those terms also. But either way, Luke writes to O Theophilus. And so he's writing to th this person, or maybe all of us, it could be, about what is going to happen now after Jesus' death and resurrection. So he recaps sort of what he wrote about at, in the book of Luke, sort of in a sh really shortened versions. And that's why he says in verse 1, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And we understand that, right? Uh, uh, the first book was about the life of Jesus. 
his birth, right? All the way to his ministry on earth, to his death and resurrection, all the way to his ascension that we saw in Luke chapter 24 just a few weeks ago. So here's Luke saying, well, I, I've, I, I wrote, I dealt with it in that first book. Everything that Jesus did, how he began, what he began to do, what he taught, I showed you what that mission of Jesus Christ was all about. And then he says, until, verse 2, the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So first, Luke is saying, look, I wrote about the life of Jesus. And secondly, he's saying, and, that, and then I wrote right at the end of the book of Luke the, how Jesus prepared the disciples. It was the preparation of the disciples. Before he was taken up, he had given them commands, right? He, he took the disciples, made them apostles, which in the Greek means sent out ones. He prepared them for this mission now to go out and spread the gospel. We saw how in Luke chapter 24, if you remember uh, a couple weeks ago in our last study in the book of Luke, how in 47 verse 48 of Luke 24, how they were to go out and to proclaim, do you remember? The forgiveness of God through Christ Jesus. And I really pushed that, right? That this gospel of Jesus, salvation is about forgiveness. So they are to go out, spread the gospel, this forgiveness. And so Luke recaps how Jesus had given them the commands, go out through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, the ones he's chosen to be these ones to take the gospel, the ones he taught and discipled. And then verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs. So to recap, he's saying, and remember how I wrote about how Jesus showed himself, proved himself to all the disciples, to the women we read about, to Peter we read about, to the two, two on the road to Damascus, remember that in Luke 24, uh, to all the disciples, many proofs of his resurrection after he had suffered and died on the cross. And he appeared to them during 40 days. So after his resurrection, verse 3 tells us, he appeared to them for 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God. And what did we learn? We learned last time that, that he was teaching them that Jesus is the Messiah who fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies and he was showing how he fulfilled it from his death and resurrection, fulfilling those prophecies in the Old Testament. The word speaking here, I think is interesting. In original language, in the Greek, it means to relate or recount so Jesus was relating to, to them what, how he uh, fulfilled what the Old Testament prophecy, what the Old Testament was saying about him. Remember back in Luke 24, verse 45, it says that Jesus opened their minds, right, to understand the scriptures, uh, to understand that Jesus is the Messiah here. And so, remember, it was important that the apostles, these disciples, that they were to learn and know the message. They had to know it. Why? They're the ones that's going to carry on the work. They're the ones that Jesus discipled, trained, raised up, 
So afterwards, they're going to go out into the world to carry on the mission. Now, I want you to notice something here. If you look back up on in verse 2, it says that after you're given commands through what? Through the Holy Spirit. The idea is, is what we saw in Luke 24 when Jesus opened their minds through the Scripture. Uh, as, as Jesus taught them, they came to that understanding. They learned. They, they received this knowledge through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working here. So, so Luke's kind of beginning to give us a little peek about really what's going to be happening in this book. That it's through the Holy Spirit that they came to know this message. So in his recap here of what, what he had written about in the first book, and as he goes into now this next part, this next chapter, this next period of what is going to happen with the mission of God, he kind of gives us a little peek there, and I think you could underline it, through the Holy Spirit. That that same Holy Spirit that helped them to understand the teaching is the same Holy Spirit that will empower them in the work. So Luke introduces how the book of Acts really is going to continue God's work by doing this little recap and and he's just beginning to unfold it here in the first part so here's what i want you to see as we get into this introduction as as luke is writing to theophilus and saying hey you know how i wrote about jesus everything like that and it was through the spirit he's starting to show this and here's our point the part two of the work is through the work of the holy spirit the book of acts really is part two of the story uh, Luke being the author in, in the book of Luke, that was part one. That was like season one yeah, of, of the TV series, this TV show. Yeah. Now we're getting into season two, part two of God's work, of God bringing his message of salvation, his message of forgiveness, his message that we can have a relationship with God, that we can have heaven. So in the book of Acts, it's part two of the work, but he's beginning to leak out that it's through the work of the Holy Spirit. R. Kent Hughes wrote, Acts is the chronicle of the spreading flame of the Holy Spirit. So I'm giving you this so, so you can start getting an understanding of what this book is about. In the book of Luke, it was the mission of Jesus Christ, right? In the book of Acts, it's actually a mission of the apostles accomplished through the work of the Holy Spirit. Notice in your Bibles at the top, it says the Acts of the Apostles. It's, it's how they fulfilled the mission is really what it's saying. Some pastors and commentators say, well, that's wrong. It's, it's really the act of Jesus working in the church and going on in this mission. Some say, well, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles. But I kind of look at it as, well, we saw in Luke the mission of Jesus, how he fulfilled that. But now in Acts, it's the mission of the apostles work done through the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's how they accomplished it. You know, you may feel like when we talk about going out in the world and sharing Jesus or, or serving God, you may feel like you don't have it in you. Maybe you feel, I, I don't know if I could really do that. Who, who am I? You know, you look at yourself and go, 
well, I don't know. I don't have any talents. I don't know if I can share. I don't know if I could stand in front of people. And, and, and so you feel like, wow, I don't really have it in me to do that. And you know what the truth is? You don't. <laughs> uh, not to offend anybody, but you don't, right? You don't. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to serve the Lord. And that's what I want you to get into your head. No, this is God's plan, right? This is God's plan. God's plan is to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That's God's plan. Remember, these guys, they're just uneducated, most of them, fishermen, yeah? They don't have degrees. They, they didn't go to rabbi school or anything like that. They're not scholars, anything like that. They don't have some certain talent to stand in front of people and... They're, you know, like, like some people are, are really gifted in pub, public speaking. I'm not. Uh, I mean, how many people is that? But these guys aren't, aren't like that. God's plan was to use just ordinary people to do extraordinary works. I like um, what was said in, in the, the, the town of Thessalonica, I believe, in Acts 17, verse 6. They were saying, these men, they've turned the world upside down, and they're here also. These 11, just 11, turned the whole world upside down. How is that? It's through the work of the Holy Spirit. So when we come into the book of Acts, we're already beginning to unfold in front of our eyes part two of the work. The part two of the mission, part two of the work of God is through the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what this next chapter in God's work of what we're going to see in this book. So, the part two of the work is through the Holy Spirit. And let's go to number two now. Number two, the promise and the power. The promise and the power. And as I said, we'll, we'll probably be, uh, um, we're going to, get through verses 4 through 8. We might back up a little bit next week, but this will be our final section for today in this part 1. So the promise and the power. First of all, let's look at verse five, 4 and 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So we'll stop right, right there. So L Luke goes on now to say another thing that Jesus had told the disciples now. He told the disciples to not depart. He ordered them, commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem. In other words, stay in Jerusalem right now. Just stay there. Now, I was thinking about this. I mean, they're probably excited, right? They've been learning all this truth. Yeah, They're learning, wow, look how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy. They're, they're pro I mean, right, when we learn something in the Bible, it gets us excited. What do you want to do? We want to tell everybody. So they're excited. Jesus is alive. We saw him. We touched him. We ate with them, right? So they're all excited about the truth of God in Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel, 
that it is real. Jesus did die and Jesus did rise again. And all the prophecies and salvation and forgiveness and God's grace all all wrapped up into the work of Jesus. So can you imagine? Remember in Matthew, at the end of Matthew, Jesus said, go into the world, right? Could you imagine they have this truth and like, yeah, let's go, let's go. I'm, I'm ready to go. Right? They're eager beavers here. And then Jesus says, wait. Then Jesus said, go out into the world. That's your calling. And they're like, okay. And then he says, wait, wait. I mean, if you have good news, you know, it's like, um, um, I remember we were pregnant, I think, with the first one. And, and our first child. And we were excited. Yeah, it, 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 yes, um, Kristen is pregnant. Uh, but then we want to wait a little bit, make sure, yeah, because we had miscarriage before. And, you, you know, those situations, so, so you want to, you want to, wow. But it's hard to contain. You want to let it out. So, but Jesus is saying, wait, don't go yet. You got to stay in Jerusalem. Wait, you can't go out yet. You see, the thing is, just having knowledge is not enough. You need the power. That's what this is about. Just having knowledge, it's, it's not enough. You need the power also. Think about it this way. Just knowledge cannot bring a person to salvation. You need the Holy Spirit to work. No person, no man can save a soul. That, that's God's job. Only God can. You need the power of the Spirit. Just knowledge cannot help you stand against a Christ-rejecting world. And they're going to go out. They're going to face a lot of opposition. Those of you who read the book of Acts, and we've studied it years ago, and you know the opposition they're going to face. I mean, in Acts 17, where I quoted that, Paul and Silas were thrown in prison, right? Paul was beaten up many times, we read in the book of Acts. There was riots starting. They're going to face a lot of opposition against a Christ-rejecting world. Hostility, arguments, all of those. How do you face that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom and words, right? To speak the truth in love. That's the Holy Spirit. And just knowledge, you know, it cannot really hold you up when extreme persecution and the threat of death comes. Someone was asking me, we were talking about the other day, oh, I don't know if, if it comes to a place where, where, where it's like, hey, we can't Jesus or, you know, or, or die. Would we have the courage to really stand up in that time? I mean, I, I don't like pain. I was thinking, uh, and we were talking about, I was talking about how, yeah, if, if I was like threatened to be burned at the stake, you know, or recant Jesus, would I do that? I think in myself, I couldn't. I'm a baby about pain. But in the Holy Spirit, I can. And I think every martyr who stood for Christ and died for Jesus, the Holy Spirit gave them that strength, to empower them to be that witness and stand there. 
So you understand, just having the knowledge and their excitement and everything, oh, we learn so much, we see you're the Christ, the New Testament, I mean, Old Testament scriptures say all this, we want to go out and tell everyone that you are Savior. Just having knowledge is not enough. You need power. So, Jesus says this, he says in, in verse 4, right? He says, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. So what are they to wait for? The promise of the Father. What is that? It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into individual lives of believers. That's what it is. It's the promise of what Jesus had told the disciples. Look, I'm going to go, but you know what? You're not going to be alone. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to teach you. He's going to be your helper, right? He called the Holy Spirit a helper. Uh, we've seen this in the book of John. He's going to come and guide you. He's going to give you wisdom and what to say when you stand before the authorities. The Holy Spirit is going to come and help you. That's the promise of the Father. Remember, and then he says, remember, verse 5, remember when John baptized with water? But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Remember in the book of John, when John the Baptist saw Jesus and he declared that um, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus will bring the ability for people to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. The word baptize here in the original language means immerse. Like we talk about water baptism. That's, the word means immerse. You get all totally in the water, immersed in the water. So that's how we will be immersed with the Holy Spirit. The idea is with the Holy Spirit living inside you as a believer, you, the Holy Spirit will be immersed into your life fully. Think about it this way. This is, this is incredible to hear for the apostles. This is incredible to, to hear at this time for any of the believers because this promise of the Father is, is what God really in the Old Testament said in different scriptures that will one day happen. That the Spirit would come actually live inside every person of God, every believer of God that the Holy Spirit would individually fill believers. You see, in the Old Testament, the anointing of the Spirit, the filling of that Spirit, the baptism of that Spirit was only for certain kings, certain special kings, or prophets. They were filled with the Spirit. But it wasn't everybody in Israel. It, it was only for certain individuals that God had will. But now... After the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, every believer can be filled with the Holy Spirit, be baptized, be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Take a moment, turn to the Old Testament, to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. I like to, to think of it this way in our salvation. Ezekiel 36, in what we read here, verses 25 through 27. 
Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. It says here, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Verse 26, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, or a soft heart, not a hard heart. And then look at verse 27. And I will put my spirit, what? Within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So here in this prophecy, there will come a day for the nation of Israel that God will come and cleanse them. So think of our salvation now. In Christ, right? In his death, when we come to him, we are what? Justified. We're forgiven, cleansed, and we're justified before him. Where Christ's righteousness is put upon us, and we're made righteous now. And also, here it says in Ezekiel 36, 26, that I'll give you a new heart, new spirit, I'll put within you. We're new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Right? Or become, we became a new person. And then now, verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you. In ASV, notice spirit is capital letter. It speaks of God, the spirit, will come and live inside us. So, understand now, as believers, it's, it's like this. It's like what's happening, what will happen to Israel one day. That we now have the Spirit of God living in us. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is available to every believer. And that can only happen after we receive Christ. Why? Because we're, we're sinners, right? But Christ's righteousness, His imputed righteousness, our, our, our position in Christ, being forgiven, makes it, uh, makes it able, we're able to have the Spirit now living within us. So, back to Peter now. I mean, Peter, I'm on Sunday. Acts, chapter 1. Back to Acts, chapter 1. Look at verse 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Wait, pause right there for a second. So, the disciples understand there's going to come a time when Israel will be filled with the Spirit, every believer, like in the prophecy we read. So with this, they're like, oh, okay, we're going to be baptized with the Spirit. Oh, oh, oh all right, so, so Jesus, that I mean, we're excited now. So does that mean like you're going to restore the kingdom now? That, 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 that means it's, it's coming right now? Remember with this talk of the Spirit, and Israel one day can be filled with the Spirit, and that's going to be really in the, in the millennial, at the end of, of uh, time there, and in the millennial time, they're like, oh, that means, oh, the, the kingdom's going to be here on earth. So they're getting excited. They're still thinking in this Old Testament way of just one coming of the Messiah. Yeah? They thought that promise of the Spirit, is for, which is for that kingdom age. They, they didn't understand that's for the church age. That there's two comings. 
between his first coming and second coming is the church age, which we live in today, which the book of Acts is about. So they didn't understand that in the church age, the Spirit will fill believers. So Jesus answered, he said to them, verse 7, you know what, it's not for you to know when that exactly will be. The times or seasons, all that's going to happen around that. The, the Father has that fixed. He, he knows that time. He has his will in that. It's under what he wants, his authority. He knows the exact uh, timing. That's up to him. And of course, that goes with what Jesus said, only the Father knows you know, when the end time is. We can know the signs of the end times, we don't know exactly when that's going to be. So Jesus is like, no, 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 guys, this, this isn't it. Only Father knows that. Yeah. I'm not telling you this is a time. No, no, no. You don't understand. It's going to come. But you know what he's saying? In the meantime, in the meantime, look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus says, look, in the meantime, until that time comes, you know what? You will receive power. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis. And it means capability. It means Ability. It means strength, empowering, power. It, this Greek word is where we get our English word dynamite or the word dynamic. I like someone said, you know, I like dynamic, you know, better than saying it's dynamite because too many people are going to pieces already. I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's dynamic. It's this dynamic power in our lives. The Holy Spirit, as Jesus is saying, here's the idea, will empower you. He will directly empower you. He will adequately empower you. He will completely empower you. Get that. We need to get that in our hearts and minds. That's what Jesus is talking about when, hey, hey, you will receive this power. From the Holy Spirit. You will have this ability. I like, you know, the saying, right? It says, God does not look for ability, but your availability. And that comes from this thinking. That he's not looking for people, oh, uh, I think you have a natural gift in that. Oh, I think you're kind of this way in your personality. No. He's just look, looking for people who's available to him, saying, God, I'm, I'm here, fill me. God, I, I, whatever you want. I can't do it, but I know you can give me that power. You can adequately, directly, completely empower me to do what you want me to do. So Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And and what will they be able to do? He says in verse 8, and you will be what? My witnesses. My, my representatives. My examples. My 
ambassadors. Yeah, my uh, 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 person to testify, to stand for Jesus, to share what the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, "I'll empower you to do this, to 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 fulfill the mission, to carry on the work, to to do." What the next chapter is about. Just saying, you're going to be my witnesses. You're the one who's going to go out and carry the news and share the news and carry the, the torch. Or remember, we talked about the baton. Jesus is passing the baton to the apostles and they're going to go on. How? With the Holy Spirit. So, who will there be witnesses to? Where will they go? People in Jerusalem. In all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now remember, he told them, stay in Jerusalem, don't go. So when he says, you know what, you're going to be my witnesses where? First, Jerusalem. Right where you're at. Right at home. You're going to be witnesses there. And then he says, Judea. Judea was like where the county, we could say, like we live in Maui County, yeah, and... um, Pukalani, Makawao, yeah, is in Maui County, right? So Jerusalem was in Judea. It's like the, the area, the county that they live in. So from home, you're going to spread out into the county. And then Samaria, that's the next area next to Judea. You go out farther. And maybe you could put this in this thought. Samaria, remember the Samaritans was the ones Jews really hated. They were the Hapa race, yeah, right? And, and they, didn't, they didn't like them. They didn't acknowledge them. They didn't like their true Jews, yeah, the unwanted. We're to go to the unwanted. We go to the next area. And then Jesus said, you are to be my witnesses where? To the end of the earth, out into the whole world. So here's Jesus saying, look, you're going to go from home, Jerusalem, out and out, all the way out into the whole world. See, you guys are tasked to take the message of Jesus, my message of salvation, out. Now, in verse 8, we basically see an outline of the book of Acts, really. From Acts chapter 1 through verse 7, you know what? It's Jerusalem. From Acts chapter 8 through 9, it's they go out to Judea and Samaria. In Acts chapter 10 to 28, they go out like into the end of the earth. Basically, we see them fulfilling exactly what Jesus is telling them to do and how the Holy Spirit's going to empower them to be witnesses. But you know what? As when we get to chapter 28, we think it's the end of, 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 of this story. It isn't. It actually goes on, right? There's actually, well, there isn't in the Bible, but you can say there's actually an Acts 29. And that's what's been happening since the end of the book of Acts in time all the way to us here today. We're living in that, say, chapter, the next chapter after Acts 29. It continues on into the centuries where Holy Spirit empowered people Continue on the work 
in the mission to share the gospel from home to all the way out abroad into the world. Which, with all of this in mind, brings us to our theme for the book of Acts. Now, understand, the whole book of Acts, it it was written about 61 AD. It actually spanned like 30 years. 30 years. Everything we're reading about spanned like 30 years. And so our theme, the big picture, I would say, for the book of Acts is this. How the Spirit-empowered change the whole world. I, don't, I think I forgot the, the, the slide for that, yeah. I forgot to tell you before service, but anyway, I'll say it again. This is our theme. How the Spirit-empowered change the whole world. That's what the book of Acts is about. How the Spirit-empowered change the whole world. We're, we're going to be seeing that here. In this span of 30 years, we're going to see the apostles being empowered. We're going to see people empowered by the Spirit. Other people, not just the apostles, the church empowered. Uh, God's going to use different people in different ways to spread the gospel, to bring healings, to, 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 to bring uh, uh, miracles in great ways, but most of all for people getting saved. So the big picture is how the Spirit empowered change the whole world. Now, in verse 8, and actually verse 8 also is our theme verse. This is the verse for the whole theme of, um, of the book of Acts. Now, understand something here in verse 8. When Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, that might be a little scary. When we talk about the baptism of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, um, to some, it seems kind of scary. Like, oh, this, you know, this. when we talk about the baptism of the Spirit, you know, you picture people speaking in tongues and running around and, doing weird things and falling over and all this stuff. And sometimes you think, wait, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure when you say baptized by the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit. Oh, I I don't know. Well, throughout this book, we're going to learn a lot about that, what it really means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, And perhaps, too, sometimes wherever, however you you know, what church you went to, whatever. Maybe you don't use that word baptized to anything. Oh, wait, why are you saying that, Pastor Ray? You know, sometimes in our, our, there's some churches in their dispensation, and I'm a dispensationalist, but, yeah, you know, it's really tight into, well, the gifts of the Spirit's only for this time to help the church here. And, and we see that, but I don't believe it's limited in just this time. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go through the book of Acts. But let's understand what Jesus means about, like when he says, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in verse 5, about what he means by the Holy Spirit has, is going to come upon you. What does that mean? First of all, understand this, that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the trinity right we have god the father god the son 
and God the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's what we believe. There's a Trinity, right? Three gods, uh, 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 one person in 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 with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? One God in three persons. Sorry, not three gods. One. Sorry, you heretic. No, sorry. <laughs> All of a sudden, everyone's throwing stones. I got a duck. Yeah. Yeah, rewind, rewind, uh, edit, edit, edit that out. Edit. If you're watching online, edit that in your mind. Anyway, <laughs> so the Holy, per- Holy Spirit is a person. He's, he's not some force, yeah, like Star Wars kind of thing. He, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is addressed as He. We even have scriptures in the Bible where we know the Holy Spirit has a mind, a will, He grieves he can speak and as we i mentioned he teaches you know all, all that he, he is the third person of our triune god so the holy holy spirit right is a person a being he has a ministry and his ministry primarily is is to really promote jesus christ and as he works in our life, he's, he's, it's all about Jesus, all about Jesus. But how does that work? Well, there's a threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. Threefold ministry. And this is what I want you to understand so you can understand uh, verse 8 here when the Holy Spirit come upon you. So let's look at this. Uh, turn over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Just the next book to your left, chapter 14. And we're going to look at verse 16 and 17 for a moment. John 14, 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking here, and and he says here that, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. Speaks of Holy Spirit coming in and living within us. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, again, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or, nor knows him. So we need Christ to have the Holy Spirit come live in us because we need the sin issue taken care of. We need to become a new person. Then he says in verse 17, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now this is important. First of all, the first ministry of the Holy Spirit is He dwells with you. He dwells with you. At the end of verse 17 here, He dwells with you. The word with is the Greek word para. It means to come alongside. So it speaks of the Holy Spirit who comes alongside you and convicts you of your sin, points you to Jesus Christ. He's he's trying to reach you. It's kind of like before we receive Christ, he's, he comes alongside, you know. I mean, the idea, too, is he's, he's right there with you, helping you, all that. But para is one ministry of the Holy Spirit when it says he dwells with, he comes alongside you. Then Jesus says at the end of verse 17, and will be what? In you. So notice there's a with. What are, what are these prepositions? Is that they are technically. Uh, I don't know. I didn't like English. No? Yeah? Someone says yeah. Someone says no. Anyway, 
I'll, I'll trust you guys know what I'm saying. So there's with, right? And then there will be in you. The Holy Spirit will be in you. Now the word in in the Greek is en, E-N, E-N-N. So in is en. You got that? <laughs> in, so the word in is en. So para is with, but en, E-N, is in. It means inside you. It means in, right? It, it speaks of the moment you receive Christ, right? And your sins are forgiven, become a new person, all that. The Holy Spirit comes into you, comes in you. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit, another ministry is that he, He's the one who regenerates you, makes you into a new person. But once you're born again, He comes to live inside you. That's why Paul said we're the temple of the Spirit, right? 1 Corinthians 6.19. We're... We, we, he lives inside you. So, the Holy Spirit, He dwells with you first, para. Then, He dwells in you. Um, he comes to live inside you. And then now, go to Acts chapter 1, go back to verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Then, Jesus is talking about when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, there in the middle of verse 8. Now, the word upon is the Greek word epi. It, it, it means he comes over you. I like the way Pastor Chuck explains it. It's an overflow of the Spirit. He, he comes like upon and he overflows you. It's like pouring water in a cup. And if you keep pouring, pouring, it gets to the brim. And you keep pouring, it just overflows the cup. It's, it's what, and it just comes all over. It's what Jesus talked about, rivers of living water in John 7, 39. One illustration that helped me a long time ago when I was first a Christian was someone was teaching on the Holy Spirit in his home Bible study, and, and he put it like, it's like a, a, a sponge. If you take a sponge and squeeze it in your hand, and you put it like into a bowl of water, yeah, it's like, the, like you're, you're in, you know, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is, is there. And then when you release the sponge, the sponge like soaks up all the water. I mean, soaks in the water and it gets full of the water. And I thought, wow, that made sense to me. When the Holy Spirit comes upon, when we're baptized, when we're immersed, yeah. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about. So, our last point tonight is this. The promise and the power is all about this empowering of the Holy Spirit in you, of, of being baptized, being strengthened, being empowered, being filled with the Holy Spirit so you're able to do what God called you to do. Without the Spirit, it, it, it just seems impossible. But with the Holy Spirit working in our lives, the impossible becomes possible. There's this um, cartoon old cartoon from World War II, from the World War II era, and it shows a, 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 a soldier a soldier is facing off an enemy tank. And in the character, the, the soldier's holding his rifle, and he's like small, and he's holding his rifle compared to the tank that is drawn really big. Yeah. So it's impossible for the, for, for the soldier to, to you know, go against this huge tank. When the next caption in this cartoon, the soldier is holding a bazooka, armor-piercing kind missile inside. 
And so in the character, the soldier's like huge with the huge bazooka and the tank looks really tiny. And so, you know, it's trying to say, hey, you know, the bazooka with the soldier gonna, can take on a, any tank and it's like going to be like nothing. Well, this first drawing with the soldier being small and the tank being big, that's like us without the Holy Spirit. And we're trying to do the work without the Holy Spirit. But the second drawing is like with the Holy Spirit, overflowing in our lives with this power, we can do what seems impossible. So, our question tonight really is, do you have the Holy Spirit overflowing in your life like this? Or have you been trying to do things on, in your own power? Or are you really being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus promised the Spirit to the disciples. And tonight, Jesus is here to give you the Holy Spirit. He's not like holding Him back from you. No, He's ready to give. All you need to do is ask. All you need to do is receive. You know, um, I'll just read this quickly in... um, Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 11. Jesus talked about how, um, oops, sorry, Jesus 11. Jesus talked about how, he said, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds to the one who knocks it will be opened. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. We know this story. And if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, he says this, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Will you ask Jesus for the Spirit? Will you stop trying to live in your own means? But understand that we operate this way with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Where, where are you tonight? On a scale of the one to five, five being the highest, Where are you with the filling of the Spirit? Are you at zero? One? Ask God for the filling of the Spirit. Currently in Hawaii, I'll close with this. We are under drought conditions. We know, right? Up country is in this this drought condition. I can't wash my car. They rain, praise the Lord. But you know what? It's not just Maui, but I was reading about the whole state. It says that 51% of our state is in severe drought. Uh, 4.32% is extreme drought. But 24% of our state is exceptional drought. You know what I was thinking? Is there a drought in our life of the Spirit? Are we in a drought of the filling of the Spirit? It's time to come to God and ask for the filling. Because you know what? Maybe you've been operating for so long without realizing this. I think it's time 
It's time for a, a new day, a new season, or should I say, the new chapter in your life. Let's pray. Lord, as we <clears throat> come to you in prayer, and just going a little bit longer here tonight, God, we ask that you would do that very thing and fill us with your spirit right now, that if we would be baptized, God, that we would, we would be empowered, Lord, not just to, to do ministry or serve you, but to live our lives, God. Lord, forgive us for doing things on our own and not really operating regularly, consistently by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Lord, help us tonight and right now. Fill us, God. Fill us like an overflowing cup. In Jesus' name, amen.